Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by A Kid's Book About, a collection of beautifully designed books that kickstart challenging and empowering conversations between kids and their grown-ups. It's no surprise at all that we like talking about the hard stuff with one another, with you all, and with our kids, which is why this new series has resonated so much with us. A Kid's Book About releases new books every month from experts and authors who bring their personal stories, practical wisdom, and childlike playfulness to the page. They explore topics like belonging, feminism, body image, racism, gratitude, and beyond. Life is complicated, and their mission is to help kids and their grown-ups have honest conversations about things that matter. We think that's pretty cool, so visit today's show notes to learn more. Now, on to our episode. Hello, hello. Hello. If you are new to Upbringing, welcome and thank you for being part of this community. We are sisters and moms to three, four, five, and six-year-olds mm-hmm. who inspire and challenge us every day. Yeah. A lot of times every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we also want to briefly acknowledge our privilege in getting to talk about this stuff as our job and a quick disclaimer that though we have certifications in this parenting stuff, we are not licensed therapists or MDs. Mm-hmm. We base this season's podcast episodes on our freedoms model and our resist approach, which you can download both of on our website. And in each episode of the podcast, alternating, we do a, a freedom episode and a Q&A episode. And we connect about common challenges with our kids in these realms of their lives that we call their freedoms their nourishment, their play, their speech, their feelings, their contributions, their expression, and more. And they're really places that when they get to be around two years old or so can bring a lot of resistance and power struggles, right? Yay. Yay. But we use the resist approach as sort of a loose six-step process that helps us to interact respectfully with awareness and consideration to keeping everyone safe and keeping the house moving in the right direction, but also having a sensitive approach to maintaining our kids' strong and intimate connections to their own bodies and spirits. It can be both. That's right? the goal anyway. Yeah. Right? So much of this um, that we talk about here at Upbringing requires that we examine our beliefs and our cultural conditioning mm-hmm. and honestly take a whole list of unhelpful beliefs and approaches off of our job description as we weekly run through one of these 10 freedoms. Or we've also been um, alternating with a Q&A episode, yeah, which so has been fun. This week is free to speak. We've been waiting for this one for a while. Uh, yeah, So we're going to be redefining some goals for our home, our expectations, and our role when it comes to our kids' harsh or sometimes non-existent words. And we're going to talk about three ways that we're really leaning in to support our kids' inner wisdom and authority, their free speech, and their skills around communicating their needs and beliefs 
a little more respectfully and articulately. We're, we're going to get there, right? But yeah. that, that kind of starts with us doing that first. Like all of these freedoms. God damn it. Do, God damn it. Don't we got to be respectful that. and articulate first. <laughs> um, um, this is also, you know, th- this is an episode where we could easily go like three hours. Um, but we're, you know, we're not having the time to produce these episodes anymore. Um, so this is not going to be an exhaustive deep dive. We're going to explore this a little bit. Um, we're loving having coaching conversations one-on-one with this more in depth. We're doing Instagram videos um, and unpacking little pieces mm-hmm. of it. This is kind of the best we can do with. We're what doing we've got thin right slices, now. and then the podcast is more like upbringing graveyard sessions. Uh-huh. <laughs> so forgive us if we're a little sleepy, um, but we're here and we're happy to be here, right? Definitely. Okay. So Kel, what's the hard stuff? The good stuff this week for you? I feel like every other episode we forget to do it because we're so inundated and have so much to do i don't know everything's been feeling really hard lately Mm -hmm. and connected to this speech stuff i feel like our kids we've been spending so much time with them home in quarantine Mm -hmm. which has been tough and they've just been real mean to me and to each other Mm. and it's just been tough well my kids have been saying that i'm mean to them yeah that's what mine did too yeah what did he say he came up to me and it wasn't even in a like dysregulated moment yeah he came up and he was like why are you so mean (laughs) (laughs) and i think that cut more than if he'd been like you're so mean like when i like wouldn't give him something in a moment of anger yeah and just when he was like all calm i was about to give him a fucking hug and he was like why are you so mean i was like say what what (laughs) like i couldn't believe my ears for a second i thought he said something else oh man um my six-year-old daughter was really angry the opposite uh the other day and she was like you are not a good parenting person like she knows we do parenting stuff and so she's basically like calling me out like a hypocrite and I was she's like, like i don't like this you suck as a parent yeah, coach. she's keeping me honest let's uh-huh. be let's be honest um so i mean That's that funny. kind of leads us right into um this freedom to speak topic right kel mm-hmm. yeah you can download all the freedoms on the website to read a little bit more but i'm going to read the de- basic description just to give us an idea of what we're talking about here do you want to start with goals like we usually do oh sure A self-determined person who isn't silenced by the fear of retribution, mockery, and shame, who believes that respectful dissent is critical to progress, and that everyone's innermost beliefs and thoughts can be valuable to share and hear publicly, who is inspired rather than threatened by other people's beliefs, tolerantly seeking to connect and elevate beyond differences of opinion. Goal. Yeah. For us, goals for our kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the the um, freedom itself description goes like this. Whining, arguing, insulting. Finding ourselves the target of kids' unpolished feelings and needs can feel surprisingly offensive, sometimes leading us to censor, shame, and punish their outbursts. This freedom is a reminder that kids' voices are their power, that they have every right to express or disagree with our decisions, agenda, and thoughts. Freedom to speak shows our kids that home is a safe place to be themselves, a place for spirited discussions of the heart that inspire conflict resolution and the art of compromise, strengthening their awareness, skills, and our connection. We seek to nurture rather than control our kids' expression of their inner wisdom and authority, which with time and support will develop a more nuanced delivery. (laughs) Okay, so what kind of shit do our kids say? Let's get real, What have they been saying? Can I have a tissue? Sure. (coughs) I have a little cough, everybody, but I'm okay. Not that kind of cough. I'm just a little cough. Okay. Things, I mean, we gave a couple examples of what our kids have been saying, but gosh, think about what your kid has said. The shit that drives you crazy. Mm -hmm. Let's think. I hate him. When they Mm -hmm. say, I hate him. I don't want a baby sister. Mm -hmm. You're a terrible mom or parenting person. Mm -hmm. You never make good dinners. 
Give me that now. Mm-hmm. I want that now. I will not say sorry. And no. The, the, no, big, the biggest no, crowd no. pleaser. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what kinds of things do we tend to do when our kids say these mean things and harsh things? Or little babies when they're angry and maybe they're, they don't have the words so they throw something or lash out and hit. Uh-huh, sure. I mean, I think that very instinctually and naturally, um, based on the way we were raised and the culture we parenting culture we live in, we censor our kids. We say, mm-hmm. choose other words. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. Or we judge what they're saying. We say, you're being rude. That That is like a terrible thing to say. We shame them. How dare you say that? How could mm-hmm. you say that to me? That is so terrible. We reject what they're saying. We're like, nope, nope, go to your room. Or stop talking. This conversation's over. Mm-hmm. Or we punish them. We say, you're grounded. Or no more TV this week. Or sorry, not going to have dessert now because of what you said. Mm -hmm. Um, That's so normal and so easy, right? I feel like all these reactions are like many of our uh, kind of our control-based reactions, both unconscious and conscious. Mm -hmm. Our unconscious mind is saying, just make it stop. This I'm so triggered. This is so unpleasant hearing me. It feels so good. It feels terrible. (laughs) And our more conscious uh, brain is also saying stop, but because there's this pressure to Mm -hmm. civilize, to mold a respectful, articulate human to not be embarrassed to totally yeah. and i mean we're not even dealing Just, with what that kind of person being, are we raising here right? right we're not even dealing with being embarrassed in public right now because we don't have public anymore we just have our private lives that's but true there is that fear right absolutely it's still there and i mean all of this in a nutshell it really makes us this freedom to speak makes us consider what are words mm-hmm. what is the power of words and what you and i have really kind of boiled this episode down to kelty um based on our experiences the, the stuff we've read the trainings we've taken is that words are symptoms of strong feelings which are expressed with the abilities kids currently have. So their developmental right. stage. Right, and based on the, the stress that they are under mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So what's our job when we, if we are believing this new thing about what words are? Words aren't trying to offend us. Words aren't um, a scary projection of who they're going to be. Words aren't punishable. Mm-hmm. If words are just information about a symptom that our kids are unable to manage, then what is our role then? Yeah, instead of teaching or punishing or controlling those words like we talked about mm-hmm. before our job is to help them right through connection and understanding and ultimately to look beneath those words to translate to support to model right we'll talk about three ways that we kind of get in there but what from that job then what's our new goal hand our goal is calming our kids nervous systems you know we're all so heightened right now mm-hmm. and when we say crazy things when they say crazy things it's because we've just gone beyond we're we're responding to stress it can, and it can be small bits of stress you know with small words here and there and little pokes it, it can go to big things but it's all based on a stress response that we then bounce back and forth to one another right and we talk about this in our free to feel episode and it's our new goal is to acknowledge that that's the, the what's going on right now and to then look beneath that um, outer experience to solve the problem and meet the need. Yeah. Build the skills and stay connected. I think it's such a big reminder for me too has been that we don't differentiate between these forms like we talked about in struggle, free to struggle and free to feel. We don't differentiate <clears throat> between those struggles. Mm-hmm. Sulking, whining, crying, yelling, throwing things, verbal abuse. They're all forms of suffering. Mm-hmm. 
We don't, and that's what used to send me into this like crazy brain explosion, trying to categorize and be like, oh, okay, so uh, they were they're sad, but they did throw something. So how punishable is this? But if they're if they're just sad, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if they then yell something as they spin out of the room, then they're they're doomed. They're not getting this, and and just cutting all of that bullshit out and just saying suffering. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, struggle, feel, uh, speak. All of these hard things to endure, just suffering. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, our new plan is basically our resist approach, which you yeah. can also download on our website. And we're going to go through a few little takeaways later in this episode that can kind of help with this freedom to speak specifically. But um, it's just a lot. It, this is This is a big idea to be confronting because we all grew up with seeing words as a particular thing and having these rules, as you say, Kelty, mm-hmm. these like arbitrary cultural rules. And a lot of judgments, binary mm-hmm. black and white judgments. You're being rude. You're being mean. You're being inappropriate, <clears throat> you know, inappropriate. Right. All those mm-hmm. things, all those labels yeah. floating around. Well, I also, you and I talk and you love talking, Kelty, about alignment. And that mm-hmm. is a huge part of what upbringing is about. It's about saying, look, we've got these goals for our kids. Mm-hmm. Is that actually aligning and connected to and reflected into how we're parenting right now because if it's not and it oftentimes isn't which Mm -hmm. is to our horror we (laughs) discover this um, then maybe instead of changing our goal maybe we should just change our practices and Mm -hmm. and build some skills baby yeah okay I think just let's talk about our present goals okay right so not even those big values for our our kids future selves but just for for what we want our kids to feel right in the realm of speaking In in this realm okay and just generally I think we want our kids to feel a healthy attachment. We want to feel them to feel that we're a secure base, that we love them unconditionally, that we want them to be authentic, powerful, fierce little boys and girls, right? I want my kids to feel that they can tell me anything and confide in me. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel like they can share their deepest worries and their darkest places and trust me to hold space for that, right? That sounds good to me. I think um, most of us would say, yes, I believe that. I ultimately want to be that. Mm -hmm. But then when our kids are throwing these harsh words at us and saying all these things, are we upholding those big values? Mm -hmm. It's hard to be a secure base when they're hitting you or when they've said something really rude like, I hate mommy. You yeah, know, it's hard to love them unconditionally when that happens. Yeah, or I can say I want I want you to be your authentic self, but just not about hating my dinner, right? <laughs> or I want you to be able to tell me all your deepest darkest worries, but not if they're the same as my deepest darkest worries. That mm-hmm. that freaks me out, mm-hmm. right? Right. So so just considering our alignment on that, yeah. and then future goal stuff, right? I think all of us have to get out a piece of paper, write write these things down. What types of people do we want our kids to be and become? We talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. goals. But you and I, Han, we want our kids to be honest, be able to be honest. We want them to be vulnerable, to speak their mind, to speak truth to power and stand up tall, to not take any crap. We want our kids to defy expectations, to be a rule breaker, to challenge authority, to be a nonconformist, to be authentic to themselves and aligned with their beliefs to be persistent and insistent and defy expectations, right? Yeah, but not to me. <laughs> and that's what I'm discovering where I'm like, I want you to be Just honest Just be an again, adult doing that somewhere else. But not about my broccoli. Uh-huh. I want you to speak truth to power, but not to me at bath time. Yeah. Right? 
I don't want you to. I want you to be a rule breaker, Someday. but not about scream time. Yeah, right. I want. This is all once can you've you left the house. Can you challenge authority when you're 20, <laughs> right. not now. But again, that is the 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 hypocrisy that we've come to confront is saying, how can we have these goals and dreams? And then not allow them to build the skills and become those practice. people and practice in the home. We just expect, oh, somehow they're going to learn those things out in school or in, in middle school. Are they going to learn those things oh, in God. middle school? No. no, the outer world, and we talk about this a lot, is going to have even harsher expectations and more binary thinking and um, extrinsic conformist, a conformist yeah. belief system. Our home is the first and possibly the only opportunity to really nurture this inner wisdom and authority um, that our kids are born with. That it's really hard. Oh, man, it's hard. I think just bigger picture, we need to be saying, do we want to be raising a kid with no awareness of their voice or permission and entitlement to express it, right? That's not the kind of society member we want to have or a world citizen, right? Someone who's apathetic or scared to speak up for themselves or others. Right, yeah, totally. I just go, no, go well, ahead. I was just going to say when you consider, I mean, we're the person in power at home, and the way we are showing that power and show and re- responding to our kids, right, our kids' speech, that's a model that they can then move into the world. And when they're older, what is that power going to look like? Is it going to be a boss that treats them poorly? Is it going to be a president that have his, has his head up his ass? Mm-hmm. A mayor, a partner, a neighbor. Is it going to be people in power? And how are they going to stand up to that power? Or won't they? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think we want to be thoughtful about this. So we're getting into it now. Our okay. job. So if our goals and intentions and values are not aligning with our parenting practices, it's time to get aligned a little bit. And that's Let's what this, this episode is about. Baby steps. Yes. Okay. So the first one is redefining the home, right? Okay. What do we want our home to be? A place for honesty, vulnerability, mistakes, growth, Right, we talked a little bit last week in our um, siblings Q and A episode. Mm-hmm. Is our goal harmony? Yes, that sounds amazing. Is that kind of a realistic goal? Mm. N- not really. Mm-mm. So we kind of flipped that that goal and said, no, our goal in our home is about connection through the good and bad and understanding and ups and downs right. and and trying to seek to understand each other. Right. Right. And that's why we, like we talked about earlier, don't differentiate between lying, whining, sassing, swearing silence mm-hmm. like they're, they're all suffering right they're all right. a symptom of something right i like that idea about redefining the home in that way i think a lot of people are like i need to mold my home is this mold for what the real world is going to look like they gotta understand disappointment they gotta understand the power structure which you can't yeah. say and can't if they say. say mean things in right. real life like that they'd be voted off the island <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be fired they'd be unfriended they'd be broken up with right right but that's not true. Yeah, how do we look at our home? Well, I think we look at our home as preparing them for the real world, not creating the real world. We're nurturing them like they're in an incubator, yeah. showing them what power doesn't look like right now from both sides, but what it can look like, mm-hmm. right? So then when they come out, go out into the real world, no matter what side of the power dynamic they're on, they can use it respectfully and thoughtfully, right? Mm-hmm culturally feel like the home should be a place where we all just get along like the like harmoniously mm-hmm. and you and I talk often about what does getting along actually mean well right? getting along I think in traditional institutions is 
everybody below the person in power doing what the person in power wants. Falling in line. <laughs> right. right. And like I was, uh, I mean, the only book I can reference off the top of my head is Originals by Adam Grant. And he was talking about Ray Dalio's um, Bridgewater Global Investment Firm that's so cr- incredibly successful. And organizational psychology talks about this all the time as an example that they, they use upward feedback. So it's basically getting feedback from the below, the people who are supposed to be obedient and not mm-hmm. causing any pr- trouble or speaking up. But they are, minions. they are giving feedback up towards the top. And that that is critical for improving the culture and preventing groupthink. Yeah. And when all of us, harmony is actually what we're saying in our families is we just want groupthink. Mm-hmm. We just want everyone to think and do what we want because we're the person in power. That'd and that nice. is an idea... Uh, meritocracy is the opposite of that saying actually everyone can be thinking for themselves can have their own independent search for truth that doesn't mean it's total chaos right that just means they get to think and believe and express what they want yeah i love that that idea for our home yeah okay number two how are we redefining our expectations in terms of our kids speech not so nice speech all of these things so much Mm -hmm. of it is about their brains right so much about it is a a development check to be like whoa 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 wait a second these kids, these toddlers, these teens have growing brains that are not going to be, they're basically under development until they're 21, if not older than that, right? The number of times our coaching clients have been like, thank you for telling me that. I just don't know what to expect from my kid and their brains and their abilities. And our expectations are are everything. They really, really are. We think that they're real. We think that they're true. Right. And I think that the, the goals that we have for their future are one thing, but when we're expecting that to happen right now, yeah. that is kind of an unfair expectation. It puts a lot of pressure on our relationship. Like, I want you to be you know, this really respectful per- person in manners, in manners wise. So right. you have to be manner perfect right now. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I think that it's also one of those things where we're not really giving our, our toddlers and our kids the benefit of the doubt as far as their development goes and the way they express themselves. And they can fool us, right? right? Like like we did when they were babies. When we when our kids were babies, they would cry and we'd be like, oh my gosh, they're trying to tell me something. What are they telling me? I'll check their diaper. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll offer them food. We talked about this. Maybe they're a little cold. All these things. They're expressing something to me. It's a deeper need. But then all of a sudden they become toddlers and they say like, hate mommy, or mm-hmm. they're like, no, no. And are we looking for the deeper need at that point? Yeah, not it's so like much. we get tricked into the words trick us. Yeah, all they're smart sudden, enough to say words. Why wouldn't they choose nice ones? Right, right. And all of a sudden, I'm 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 like tricked again into yeah. what those words, what they're trying to say, what their intent is, not what their the root cause of their suffering is that led to that. Yeah, you know. Um, what else? I mean, I think that redefining our expectations is saying we can't expect our kids to perform at the level of our goal words, goal speaking right now. And that the only way they can actually get to that really truly adaptively is if we are supporting them and meeting them where they are Mm -hmm. and not taking their words um, for more than the current expression based on their development. Yeah. That's such a hard thing, meeting meeting our kids exactly where they are and, and thinking there's no necessarily, it's not a development book that says this age, this many months, this height, this weight, like a Tylenol prescription, this is how many drops to give them or this is what they should be doing. It's saying, look at the child in front of us mm-hmm. and say, okay, this is what they're giving. This is them being absolutely developmentally normal. 
okay, these are my new expectations for how they should communicate when they're dysregulated and stressed out. Mm -hmm. This is the new normal. Used to be crying, then it was flailing on the floor, then it was was throwing things, then it was whining. Now it's sharp verbal insults that cut like a knife. Right, right. Um, and I mean, we do that too. If you think about it, like another hypocrisy is that we say things we don't mean all the time oh when we've lost our shit. You know, when you think about a brain, our kids are just like we are when we get totally overwhelmed, when our, our brains move from our thoughtful prefrontal cortex to our more reactive, emotional um, limbic system, like uh, hind brain, we say shit that we don't mean all the time. Totally. We literally are grasping for words. The emotional brain is not vocabularily nuanced. I think yeah. I just made up a new word. I like it. Um, and neither are our kids. Our kids don't even have the communication yeah. skills that we do. So their words when they are upset are going to be even more inflammatory, uh, yes. dumb, obnoxious, mean. pokey. Yeah. yeah. So I always think, think about, about it. I always think about good old Ross though, when I'm thinking about myself, where he, he, Ross Green, he's so amazing. We'll put him in the show notes. He says, everyone prefers to do well. Don't you think that's true? I prefer to always be doing well. Mm-hmm. And that leads him to then say, it's not won't, it's can't. Can't not won't, right? Yeah. Like and that there is a hypocrisy in there as well, Hannah. Sorry to keep busting all these hypocrisies, uh-huh. but like this is a big one. Yeah. I'm swearing, I'm lying, I'm shit talking, I'm stonewalling people. All these things that that we're busting our kids on, like really, yeah. when we're thinking about the ultimate version, maybe we're like, please let them be a better person than I am. <laughs> but the but pressure's on. I think I'm okay. I'm doing all right. But I think the the basic idea behind this redefine our expectations is saying brains are growing. Mm-hmm. People just naturally use words poorly when they're upset. Mm -hmm. And that emotional literacy takes time and practice. It's just like actual literacy, Mm -hmm. right? We weren't expected to learn how to read the first time we opened a book. We didn't get punished for reading badly Uh, when we started. And and the same with our kids, especially when they're dysregulated. This isn't even just when they're throwing around random words or using potty language. Like That's one thing, and it's totally understandable also. But when they're like freaking out and saying really harsh things that's even more understandable that it's going to take time for them to calm their nervous systems get to the heart of what's going on and i mean that's what we're moving into is number three which is redefine our role what do i do so if we've (laughs) accepted all of this is this just going to be like tyranny chaos Uh are they storming the castle you know what's our role here i mean i think our role is like with all of these support staff challenging situations we need to be sensitively supporting them learning about themselves and expressing themselves better. This is going to be a long process of scaffolding, which is little by little skill building over mm-hmm. time. Right. Yeah. And and like so many of these other conflict-ridden areas of our kids' lives, we have to be thinking, and we're trying to be thinking so much about how how our kids are learning by the way we teach, not yeah. just what we teach, not the words we're saying, say this, don't say this, do this, don't do this, but the way we're doing it, right? The way we're using our power, basically. Right. So w- <clears throat> what's the ultimate way to use our power in this, other than generally through the resist approach, generally trying to not over control? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's using high warmth and high expectations, which we talk about a, a lot. Mm-hmm. So we we have high expectations. We decide to put boundaries up on the situation and the environment, but we don't put boundaries on the words and the feelings that our kids have, their will, their spirit. Mm-hmm. So we're warm with that. We say, wow, we get, we, uh, you know, acknowledge and validate the feeling and the intention 
and the root cause and help them get to that. And then we also say, but I have to stop your hand from hitting or, yeah. but we're still going to be moving on to dinner time. Now. Yeah. Natural consequences. Right? Like yeah. we could say, you know, it seems like you're really having trouble getting along. We say this to some of our kids sometimes that mm-hmm. they're all together and it's really not going as, as well as we'd like seems like you're having trouble getting along right now maybe it's it's time for us to split up and go home that's a natural consequence for them like trying to beat each other up mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or um a, you know a baby keeps picking up a, a cup and throwing it on the floor instead of putting that boundary on the kid don't pick up the cup don't pick up the cup i challenge you i challenge you <laughs> we're going to put the natural consequences by saying okay i'm going to have to take the cup the cup mm-hmm. has to go away cuz it seems like you're having trouble controlling your hand right, right. or for example, we would tell a, a kid, your, your yelling is really loud, so I'm going to have to step out of the room right now, or I'm, I'm going to have to help your body outside, right? right? We're not focusing on, put, on putting a boundary on their self-expression, their feelings, their words, but we That's put it what's happening. Their bodies the are doing it. Right. They're having to do it. They're going to get better over time. But right now, we just have to set the boundaries on the environment and the other people there yeah. and help them understand and that, that. that requires us to yeah. look beneath the behavior and try to focus on making things better, not worse, Mm -hmm. and ultimately keeping the conversation going. It's so easy for us to be like, this has to stop. Mm -hmm. Just make make all of this stop. And that's our instinct, right? But when we do that, when we stop our kids yelling or stop our kids swear word. Or punish it, yeah. Or punish it. That's what stop is. Censor it, Mm -hmm. punish it, and do any of those things. We're stopping the conversation. And the conversation is an opportunity to build their attunement and their self-awareness. Because you know they're going to have words that come out and if they don't understand what they are and where they're coming from they'll keep coming out that way and our kids will be confused or feel shame or blame Mm -hmm. we want them to so much of what we talk about upbringing is getting to the heart of the root cause yeah but getting attuned to why am i saying this why am i feeling this way why am i needing this getting deep deep down to our needs yeah but that requires us having this bravery, I think, to engage with what can feel like a house on fire, mm-hmm. right? And we, you yeah. had this amazing fire metaphor saying, I don't remember. when your house is on fire, are you going to yell at it? Are you going to spit at it and, and, and be mad at it? Or are you going to try to put it out, right? right? Are you going to try and save it? Try and save it. You know, and when our kids, just like when they're doing crazy behavior, just like when they're saying crazy shit, they are a house on fire. Mm-hmm. And, and our, our water, our, our care is not distraction, eat something. Okay. You can have more time. Permissiveness. Permissiveness. It's, you know, it's not that it's, it's new skills that we've never, um, really used in parenting before that come very unnaturally, at least to you and me, Kel, that we've had to think about and read about and practice, practice, practice. So we're going to do three, um, three ideas about how to, Respond uh, instead respond of react to houses on fire, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so number one is we translate, right? So considering our kids' development and communication and emotional regulation, mm-hmm. which is what we're seeing basically, just take a look at them and you've got your answer. Um, it's a tough one because mm-hmm. just because they have shown us that they're able to use words or calm down one time or, you know, say something nicely or ask nicely for something doesn't mean they can do it 100% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to look beneath those words, which are the symptoms, and get to the underlying feelings, which is the root cause of their suffering. And this actually is what will help them understand the thought and the feeling and the need. And it will help 
calm the the storm, put exactly. out the fire, right? It'll calm the nervous system and then it will engage the intellect and the self-awareness, right? Yeah. So using terms like, it seems like, or I wonder if with a feeling, you know, it really calms kids, people, anybody to be validated. And it helps our kids when we put words to their feelings, which is like a name it to tame it strategy um, from the whole brain child. And when we're giving them these words, we aren't, we aren't just calming them down. They're actually gaining that vocabulary to then and awareness to then use later. So instead of screaming, I hate you, they'll have the vocabulary we've given them by saying, I seem to be very frustrated about this. Mm-hmm. Like someday they'll say that, right? If we say you seem to be very frustrated about this, that's what they're learning. Right. Yeah. And I think it's basically emotion coaching, right? Right. And I think that emotion coaching also, also shows our kids that we see them, that we hear them, that their inner voice is validated, that the impulse Mm -hmm. to fulfill a need, no matter how fucking ridiculous it seems is valued. And that, and that we have faith really that how they go about it will be dealt with later, addressed later, um, improved as they go along, right? Right. But those feelings, that house on fire, we're not being like, well, let's go talk to the contractor about this. <laughs> like, no, we're just putting the house on fire out, you yeah. know? So let's let's calm the nervous system, right? Let's yeah. identify the feelings and the and the surface level, and then eventually we'll get down to the deeper things at play. Yeah, back to that uh, those big goals. We want to be that safe space space for our kids to to lean on and to learn what's going on inside them because they don't know and they shouldn't know right and that safe place that we're helping them build is a place that they're going to go when we're not there someday yeah here's some examples and i think we're going to do this in a video this week as well so if you want to see our faces we'll have to breeze through a little bit okay so when our kids say so let's so we're using some translate right uh, so we're going to say what the kid says and then we're going to say what our instinct is to say back then we're going to say what our goal is Okay, here we go. So I'm going to be the kid. Okay. Okay. I don't want a baby sister. My instinct is to say, she's here and we all love each other. Don't say that. And our goal is to say, it's been hard for all of us to adjust to the new baby, huh? Right? Yeah. When I say, you're a terrible mom. My instinct is to say, how could you say that to me? And my goal to say, you seem really upset right now about the plan. So that someday I can say, I'm really upset right now about the plan. Uh (laughs) How about when I say, you never make good dinners? My instinct is to say, that really hurts my feelings. And my goal is to say, so the broccoli isn't your favorite tonight. And then eventually I'll be able to say, the broccoli isn't my favorite tonight. Yeah. When I say, I hate him, he's not my friend anymore. I want to be like, what? You love your brother. And my goal is to say, it sounds like you're feeling frustrated about what happened still. So that I can say, I'm feeling frustrated about what happened with my brother still. Yeah. When I say, I already brushed my teeth. I want to be like, you're lying. I know you haven't. Go brush them now. And what my goal is to say, it sounds like you're really ready to read, but we got to go do teeth, honey. Which can help me eventually say, I'm really ready to read. I don't feel like brushing my teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I say, I will never say sorry about that. My, my instinct is to be like, apologize or know this or we're leaving or here's a consequence. And what our goal is to say is, sounds like you're still upset and not quite ready to repair yet. Right. So that I can say someday, I'm still upset and I'm not ready to repair yet. Repair like apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I say, give me that right now. My instinct is to be like, 
or what's the magic word? And my goal is to say, you sound really eager. I'm happy to help. Here you go. So that I can say, oh, I really want that. Could you help me? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We're that, putting the words in place. We're, we're, we're putting them. We got to model those words, different right? place of goals, though. It yeah. really is. It's kind of backwards for us. Yeah. But I think that it connects to what you said earlier about how when we can lean in to our kids' hard words, we're not projecting a bunch of stuff on them. And they're not then disassociating with their underlying needs and, and lagging skills and sense of self, right? We're helping we're, them translate yeah. their deeper needs we're, we're getting down in there right. i think about like doctors don't like talk through all this crap they go to the wound right therapists go to the trauma mechanics go to the malfunction chefs go back to the recipe when shit gets burnt yeah. right right okay what's number two number two idea um for dealing with burning houses did you bring is, my water bottle back uh no i forgot it sorry um. Um, is to circle back. And we talk about this a lot in our resist approach. It's one of our superpowers. Because we can't always connect in the moment, right? We're not always there. Kids aren't always receptive, right? They're reactive. We're reactive. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal again, remember, is we're calming them down and we're translating. Translating what's going on is incredibly validating, calms their nervous systems down, but we still can't always process and integrate all the information and really get down to those deeper needs, right? Right. In the moment. Yeah, so we can do that by finding a receptive time, like bedtime or bath time or when we're in the car or sitting at dinner. We can tell a story. Oh, this one time this thing happened uh, to me and I, you know, I ended up saying mama and then, you know, I, I ended up connecting with my family or you know, something like that. Yeah. Just make it up if, if you don't have a good one. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Um, we can also bring it up nonchalantly and non-judgmentally. So today, earlier, when you screamed that, you know, uh, or at dinner, you know, you were really having big feelings about that broccoli. Mm-hmm. How was it? What's up with that? You know? Yeah, or it seems like I've noticed every time you and your, your brother start playing together right before dinner, someone ends up crying because someone said some mean things. You know, what's going on with that? What can yeah. we do? Yeah. I think doing using perspective taking can be really helpful. Like perspective taking as in how do you think that would make them feel or how would you feel but if not this said happened? in a mean way how do you think they would feel and no. they had that <laughs> well, so again, much our tone perspective right perspective taking we tend to do in the moment like i'm gonna oh. rub your face in this yeah here's the mirror ha, gotcha <laughs> but like that just inflames so perspective taking to be like you know oh remember that time when you had that thing and your sister took it Mm-hmm. Gosh, how'd that feel? I wonder yeah. if that's how she felt today when that is, when you said those words. So much to her. of this circle back <laughs> is about approaching neutrally with a warm and relaxed tone. And I'm sure some people listening to this are being like, "This sounds so permissive and mm-hmm. wussy." Why are you being like? Seems like kind of remember. Sounds like we're doing it this way for a reason, right? The, our kids are receptive. They're uh, able to process they, they don't have stress coursing through their veins they're actually fucking listening to us mm-hmm. and we don't have scary face on right uh, ultimately kids learn in safe um psychological, psychological spaces, spaces. Yeah. and that's something that is so hard to remember because it feels like 
This must happen now. Teaching must happen in this moment. And teaching must happen with stern expression and harsh words and punitive and, measures. And, and <laughs> research know? has shown that is not actually how kids learn best. So I had to just put a little bubble in there okay. because this circle back sounds super wuss. Mm-hmm. But it's really important. And totally. we, we accomplish so much in our circle backs. Oh, man. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the third uh, little skill we want to cover here? For- also, also our parenting superpower. We've done a video yeah. on this and a couple podcast episodes episodes as well and it's connected to one of our favorite empowerments which is we know our influence Mm -hmm. and that is modeling is the skill right yeah and that's basically um an implicit way for our kids to learn through experience through their environment and through us through observation right and through us modeling our asses off and being the people that we and not just we want our kids to be that we but that we want to be ultimately yeah right i think that we can show them through every interaction in our day-to-day that everyone has different opinions and we can differ respectfully. Mm-hmm. And that I think also, especially though, because we have the power and the privilege that we do, that we are not exempt, right, from, yeah. from saying, speak up, or what is that you thought instead? You know, we're a role model and we also have a responsibility with that, right? Yeah. One modeling thing in this terms of free to speak thing as well is to apologize mm-hmm. you know I, I apologize a lot often in the circle back step yeah. i'm really sorry that 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 i couldn't give you what you wanted or i'm sorry i got frustrated and i yelled at you when when we were arguing about going out the door yeah. i'm gonna work you know? on, on the words that i say next time because that probably hurt your feelings or made you feel a certain way how did you feel? it could have made things worse yeah. how did you feel about it you know, and that really teaches our kids to apologize too and to circle back and know talking about this terrible thing that happened earlier isn't the end of the world. It's actually where we can get reconnected if we were disconnected, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, after modeling, and there's so much more in that, but oh, man, within this freedom this to speak, I just want to touch briefly on our kids' freedom to not speak. And maybe this is a little bit less relevant in people's lives right now because we're just like stuck with our our kids we're like shut up everybody (laughs) not speaking actually sounds pretty good but this element of the of the freedom is something that we're going to touch on in this week's first instagram episode um or video mostly about manners but i just wanted to say that something else we're focusing on in this freedom is not to prompt hello say goodbye say thank you say please say i love you say i'm sorry or even say okay or yes mama or mm-hmm. i think we we feel the urge to say you're not listening to me i need you to say that you heard me mm-hmm. with that, you know have that bid yeah you know we 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 for, can so easily force our kids to say things too not because, just censor yeah. yeah and this is just such a big one and it, there's so many tough um, ramifications of it. It can create power struggles, Mm -hmm. right, between us and our kid. It can basically prompt a behavioral loop where they're waiting for us to prompt them Mm -hmm. to say thank you or please, or they're not just going to say hi on their own because they're waiting for us to be like, say hi and wave, right? right? Um, And ultimately, it it forces our kids to focus on the skills before the value. And that's Mm -hmm. something we talk about often is wanting our kids to really have a fundamental understanding of what these things are about. Gratitude, respect, regret, compassion, all of these things to come intrinsically from Mm -hmm. the inside out and not from the outside in. Well, that's just the same with when we censor their words. Mm -hmm. Again, we're getting to the root cause. 
everything we care about is below the surface. It's not about the words, yeah. right? It's about what stimulates the words or is required to make the words. Yeah. So what do we, how do we teach manners in this way if we're not, if we're letting our kids be quiet and not say the things that inside we're like, just say please, just say sorry, right. all I think these it, things. I think it's the same as the above with the harsher speaking stuff that we, we translate we circle back. We model. Yeah, you know. So we translate for them. You seem really thankful that we, Grandma gave you this thing. Right. We notice their um, nonverbal communication. Yeah. Right. And we give them words for that. Yeah. Or we just say thank you, Grandma. Wow, thanks. Right. In the modeling phase of that, mm-hmm. and and within modeling too, we say please, thank you, I'm sorry, hello, goodbye, all the time, all the time, and with heart. Not perfunctorily, but really like we mean Authentically. it. Authentically. Yeah. yeah. And I sort of skipped, but we circle back. Say, I wanted to connect with you about what happened with your brother. You know, it seemed like it took you a while to be able to reconnect with him about it. So we're not forcing An you need apology. to say you're sorry mm-hmm. right now, but we circle back about it How and can connect we about it. How yeah. you doing? So I just had to say that about not making our kids say things It either. goes both ways. It really does. You know, it really does. Yeah. Um, some quick mental mantras that we yes. are thinking on um, to help us remember these three ideas, this new role, this new home, this new goal. An right? expectation, yeah. Um, this isn't about me. They have every right to disagree. They are suffering inside. Words are symptoms of a need. They will express better with time. Focus on the feelings, not the words. And I can be their safe place. Yeah. All of this is such a big ask. And I got to mention that really quick. I feel like like so many of these things we talk about at Upbringing, this is like a hidden conspiracy of something that we never knew we signed on when we became parents. Mm-hmm. To live in this sort of invisible world of emotions and communication. You know, in some ways, I feel like we're on different planes from our kids. They live on this self level and we live on this behavioral level. Mm -hmm. And we have to kind of work in this invisible world of emotions and communications instead of just behaving a certain way. And that was such a big ask. Well, because when we punish or criticize a, a behavior, our kids experience it on a self-level, basically. They yeah. experience it personally. Yeah. And they bring us, that we have this opportunity that they bring us back to the personal. They bring us back to the self, the essential, what's mm-hmm. underlying. Yeah. You know, but it's, but been, it's a, a lot of practice. And it's required. been a hard realization yeah. to, to realize that our deepest responsibility as parents has been this. It's the most important thing that we have to do in a lot of ways. And it's what we have really the least amount of skills to naturally accomplish. Yeah. And that's that's why we're here and we're doing this work and we're practicing, right? Yeah, because we're really needing the practice. <laughs> and yeah. and it's been such a relief. Like just learning that our about our kids' brains and development has just been such this load of off of our to-do list. Mm-hmm. We just have to calm them and look beneath the surface to connect and to build, build skills. That's it. We can stop focusing on the words. We can stop focusing on the behaviors. We just calm ourselves to calm them and then talk about it. That's yeah. it. But I, I seem so basic. Yes, Kel, but I think that I still have these feelings. And it's like this yeah. oppressed feminist in me that says, what about me? This, welcoming all my kids' feelings and fo- you know, being like, oh, it's okay that you just called me that. I'm just going to focus on your deeper needs. It makes me feel like a punching bag. Yeah. It makes me feel like a doormat. It makes me feel like hot garbage most yeah. of the time. You know, and I think it's really, it's hard for me not to take out um, 
these feelings of resentment and of not being treated well yeah. on on my kids. Yeah, but you know? our kids are not the man. Our kids are not the patriarchy. And I and I have a fear, especially for our sons as parents. When our sons get mad or cross us, our instinct is like, oh no, you are not going to grow up to be a disrespectful man or a, yeah. like absolutely not. And I worry about the little boys who will get our retribution in a way that our little girls won't because we're like, okay, I kind of, I want you to be a feminist, kind of strong woman. I'm not loving this. But when a boy, a little boy crosses me, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, you will not grow into that man. Yeah, And it's like, so much harder embody, to look underneath, right? You embody the feminist that you are in the workplace or in yeah. greater culture where you're like, don't fuck with me, man. Yeah. Don't fuck with me, anybody. But, but yeah. that's not our role as parents. And I think that, <laughs> yeah, like basically... Like Audre Lorde, I think, said, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So if we're using the same control and anger that that we're fighting against in the patriarchy, in our workplace, in our in our politics, if we're using that against our kids, that's what they're learning, right? Right. It's just But it's, I, I think it's the bigger thing is saying our home isn't the workplace. Our home isn't greater culture. Like in our home, we're not the woman fighting against the man. We are the man in our homes. So we have to make sure that we're not continuing that patriarchy into our homes. Yes, we really do. So a little blurb on that. Oh boy. Right. I think I also, and oftentimes really need to, when you get out of the feminist context and just about the what about me, I don't like being treated this way. Mm -hmm. Don't I deserve better? Beyond like, even if you're like, okay, I understand why they're doing it developmentally. I understand I need to be there to build the skills. It still doesn't feel good and it's hard not to take it personally. And I think- a really big part of the freedom to speak is recognizing and coming to terms with the fact that our kids are not responsible for our needs. They are not responsible for our desire to feel loved, to feel proud, to feel responsible. And I think so much of my silencing and forcing and control over my kids' speech comes from a place of being like, but my needs, you're not making me what feel about good me? right now. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately... We even when we figure out a way to be like, okay, what they're saying isn't true and it still bugs us, we have to keep remembering that kids should not feel responsible for our needs and feelings. Yeah. They have to be able to lean on us. You know, we have to be able to handle who they are now and respond in ways that nurture their values and scaffold their skills. We are that is our role. This is the safe place. Yeah. And I think you it's know? that middle way. We don't want to give them our power or overpower them. We yeah. just have to find that sweet spot by using powers beyond control to keep their spirit empowered, right? Right. And to keep us sane ultimately. But it's a That'd lot of good. personal work, a lot of rewriting we're doing with yeah. this. Oh yeah, yeah. In conclusion. <laughs> I think that it is such a foreign concept, this idea of giving our kids the right to speak or not speak. And it begs the question, are we creating a home that says to a child, you can resist me, you can disagree with me, you can believe something other than what I want, or is it the opposite? I think it's 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 a tough one because we want to just censor some speech, but not <laughs> all of it. You know, but my worry with that is it tells our kids not to speak up at all. Yeah. Right? There's no differentiation for them. Like we like to think that we're saying don't disagree like this, but what we're ultimately saying is don't disagree. Period. Don't think, don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And we don't want to go about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we want to you know, nurture, not extinguish their impulse to speak up. We want to connect our kids with their inner truth and give them that permission, that authority to communicate it with courage and conviction, you know? 
Yeah, I think all of it, the polite (laughs) and the less polished. It was such a slow learning curve for us to see that stopping our kids' words is really just micromanaging the symptoms that bother us, like we talked about, and Mm -hmm. not ultimately getting to the root cause that affects them and us more profoundly. Choosing to respond to their words in this way, no matter how hard they are, and looking beneath them, it feels like the keys to the kingdom in a huge way and just lets the pressure off. Yeah. You know, they're going to, they're going to, Find their own wisdom. They're moving towards emotional and social intelligence in a real way that that censoring their words was not going to get them to, right? They're understanding their own experiences and motivations and needs. They're attuning to um, and predicting other people's as well through that mm-hmm. process. And it's just like, what greater skill can we be fostering really for social and emotional success in ourselves and our kids than a freedom to speak? <sighs> I love that. Let's so, revisit those goals really quick. We, we want our kids to feel that we have a healthy attachment, that we're a secure base, that we love them unconditionally, that we support them being their authentic self, a powerful and fierce girl or boy. I want them to be able to tell me anything and confide in me, to share their deepest worries and darkest places, no matter how messy and unpolished that looks, and to know that they can trust me to hold space for that. Yeah, and the future goal is that we want our kids to be honest and vulnerable, speak their minds, speak truth to power, stand tall, not take any crap, mm-hmm. defy expectations and be a rule breaker, challenge that authority, you know, be an anti-conformist who's authentic to themselves and aligned with their beliefs, who can be persistent and insistent and can make some serious change from an authentic place. Yeah, those are the goals. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Just what resonated, what inspired, what infuriated. DM us, reach out. Yeah, let us know when you're hearing these words. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What words trigger things in you? You know, some words don't bother us. Some words really do. And Mm -hmm. so much about this is it's like solving this mystery of the way we were parented and then deciding to go about it a different way. It's a lot of personal work we're talking about. We're all here, like parenting in captivity. This is a really good time to experiment with some of these things. If this feels really weird or really intriguing and you want to just try and see how this plays out. We're really interested in t- to hear how that goes. And we're uh, three or four days a week. We're trying to do a 6 p.m. Instagram live uh, Q&A for an hour. So you can find us there and we would love to engage with you all. Yeah, and we'll be doing, uh, I think, three or four little um, short videos on Instagram. Like, well, they're 10 minute long videos of like uh, little skills within this freedom to speak. So check those out too and share them um, to folks that... Um, would maybe appreciate them as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our Techie Renaissance dude, Alex, for producing this podcast, editing the music, doing all the things, and our incredibly talented friends, Amber Okamura, who does our art, and Mary Schroeder of Making Type, who does all of our lettering. Lastly, thank you for being here. This is a messy and incredibly important job being a parent, and we're going to make mistakes, lots of them. And that's okay because our growth depends on it. Mm -hmm. And if you're here, you're doing the work and you're doing an amazing job. And we're so proud of you. We are right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another, one conversation at a time. So thanks for being here. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Till next time.